Hello strong friends, it's Carmen or Coach Cappuccino here and we're here for the second episode of Brain Gains and we have another guest today who is Chiara. <laughs> um, Chiara is 27 years old. She's a med student. She originally comes from um, Berlin, Germany and she's been living in Vienna for quite some time already mm -hmm. and she's a very very good friend of mine and a super inspiring and cool person uh, with very interesting views and and ideas and that's why I thought it was definitely a must to have her on my podcast so you want to say hi and introduce yourself yes for sure so thank you for that really amazing and sweet introduction already um The most important stuff has definitely been said already, but um, it's really nice to be here. This is me on my very first podcast, so I'm <laughs> excited. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time, and it's so funny that this is now happening because a couple weeks ago, Carmen posted something, and we always discuss like our views and what we think about pretty much everything, um, and so she posted something and I was like, oh my God, we should definitely like, we should make a podcast <laughs> and we should discuss this. And a couple of weeks later, now here we are um, actually, actually doing it. So it's really exciting for me. And I know that's really exciting for you too, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe uh, do you want to talk a bit more about yourself and who you are, what you do? Mm -hmm. So people know, because I know you quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of mm -hmm. yeah, more on your background. So I think what got Carmen and me like talking and connected is that we have a lot of parallels. So I come, I come from Berlin and I was uh, a horseback rider, same as Carmen, uh, for a really, really long time. And we both used to compete. So that was something that um, drew us closer to each other too. And um, I was in, in horseback riding for pretty much the entirety of my life. Um, until 2016 when I quit and then I had this huge gap of time because when you horse by ride you're usually at the stable <laughs> all week um, and then I had this huge gap of time and the gym kind of took over and in the beginning I did a lot of more like um, bodybuilding style of training and some like power building And then eventually, mm -hmm. I um, discovered the sport of powerlifting. And that's also how we got to know each other. Uh, we got to know each other in the gym. Yeah, we used to work out at the same gym. And uh, yeah, kind of, I think to a friend actually got to talk. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, for sure. And then we just, we discovered we have all these parallels. You know, we're both two, two very strong-minded individuals that... Uh, we're interested in this in this strength sport and like getting stronger and improving ourselves, and then I go to med medical school and uh, my mother is a physiotherapist and then Carmen wanted to go to physio school and so we just had all these like parallels and all these things that we kind of had in common and that made it really easy for us to talk and exchange views and it was really interesting. Yeah, I think those parallels really got us talking and. I think the most important thing is is that when we have conversations they're I think really intense and like yeah we're very strong-minded and have just really interesting points of view that we want to share and that's why also I was like I really wanted you on the podcast um there's so many different things that we can talk about um we definitely this is not gonna be the last episode with Tara, you can count that um but um <clears throat> we got to talk we got to know each other through the gym and through lifting and um, that's kind of also the first thing that I want to go into in the talk is, well, the talk in general should be about like being a female strength athlete um, 
and what that means and kind of uh, building a community within that maybe as well. Yeah. But also on uh, your body image, your relationship with food, all these kinds of things that I think especially as a female athlete are um, very like prominent topics, very um, big problems at times as well. Um, also things that Kiara and I struggled with a lot, especially when we got to know each other like two years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, we've also evolved, also through talking with each other, all these things. Sure. But um, yeah, so I got to know Kiara and we got to talk. Um, and back then, which possibly people will not believe me, but I was maybe a little bit of a bitch because <laughs> I was not used to having friends, female yeah. friends, in my sport or supportive people in my sport but especially like female friends in bodybuilding or powerlifting like that was not a thing I was at a gym where I had a very good actual like like social network I think like only male people (laughs) um which is fine but um I was just like the only girl and in there was no competition really it's not like And that's the thing that Kiara also taught me was that just because there's another girl doesn't mean she's competition. And especially because we were super, like, we had all these parallels. We were both coming from horseback riding. We were both in the same sport. I was like, who is this? (laughs) (laughs) What is she doing here? here?" (laughs) And um, I really had to learn, but I'm so happy that I did, that other women don't mean competition. They mean support system. They mean... Mm -hmm. um, they can mean like good conversation, like exchanging um, ideas or talking about problems that you might only have as women in sport. Um, yeah. So where did you learn that maybe? It's probably not in horseback riding because we both know that's not the most supportive sport ever. Not a, not a supportive sport at all. Wow. Um, so, so God, this baffles me so much because like when when we started talking about recording this episode and she sent me the list of things that she wanted to talk about, the first point was what she just mentioned, the support that she learned from me. And I was like, what? You learned that from me? I'm going to start <laughs> Um, and so I'm very, very touched. I'm really, really happy that we're recording this because it means so, so much to me that I was able to pass that on. And, um, I mean, same for me, right? So, like, we were used to uh, gyms where, you know, mainly guys are in the free weights area or on the platform with a barbell. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to stigmatize anyone and I don't want to generalize, but um, it was just how it was. We, We often found ourselves alone with all these other men and a lot of women stick to cardio machines or... Um, machines like weight machines and so I can totally totally understand when you're not used to having other female athletes around you and yeah another badass and you're like what is she doing here now and you're just like I don't know like I think especially because due to social media we're also really like comparing ourselves to these other girls then and and it's not like you're used to someone else telling you, hey, you're doing a good job. And you're like, yeah. what? You, I thought you would tell me I'm fat, you know, and yeah. I'm ugly and I can't do shit. <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah. you, that's not just the way, the, 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 yeah, tone of voice that we usually use. Yeah, I, I think that's really crazy. And I don't, I actually, I, I'm going to think about this question till the next podcast. And I'm going to try <laughs> to figure out where, like, I learned this lesson or where I took it from. But I... I remember at a certain point, like, I made this conscious decision to do what people do on the internet, which is 
not not everything, but <laughs> what a lot of people do, right, is on social media now, now that like Instagram is such a present factor in most of our people's lives, especially our generation. And so many people compliment each other like, oh my God, I love your outfit. Oh my God, I love your hair. Oh, such an amazing picture. Wow, wow, wow. Like, like, like. <laughs> Um, and I was so amazed at one point of how much like positive feedback people are able to comment to strangers that they don't mm. even know. And then in real life, people just don't give each other compliments. And I was like, what? You know? And so I remember at one point I made the conscious decision to be really ballsy and be really confronting and upfront and forward and to... If I, if I see someone, let's say, at the gym, which is, like, you know, a stressful situation for some people, to when I see someone that I would compliment on a photo or whatever, that I would go up to that person and make them a compliment, whether it was on the form that they used for the lift or on their physique or on their outfit. And I've done that ever since. And sometimes, obviously, people are, like, a bit baffled. It's But, intimidating. It it's intimidating to kind of be like someone walks up to you and gives you a compliment. Yeah. And it's not it's not a weird guy who's like I want to <laughs> take you out later. <laughs> it's just another girl who does that. But it's so nice, and that's yeah. that's also like what then helped me later with um, making stronger and deeper connections with other women in the sport. Yeah. Like learning to be kind. Yeah. Um, not not just online where you can also not mean it the way you write it, right? Yeah, yeah. But by also like actually looking them in the face and mm. being like, hey, you're doing a good job, mm. and it's really appreciated. Yeah, and and I think I think I mean like I said, I'm really baffled that I was able to have that effect on you, and I'm so happy that we're talking about it because it's positive reinforcement for what mm. I've been trying to exactly. achieve. Um and. I think what happens when you are nice and supportive of people and you actually mean it and it's authentic because that's a big difference. Like because people, people, you know, we have instincts and you will know when someone isn't being authentic. Yeah. But if you like generally authentically mean well and want to be nice and helpful, it just, it opens this room for the other person to also be nice and mm. open and supportive and it starts by little with little stuff like hey if you need a lift off let me know yeah exactly um but it goes all the way to hey i'm like i'm feeling really down right now and i don't want to work out and i yeah. don't want to eat right um yeah exactly it goes the next all thing, the way yeah. yeah and so i think there's so much more room for improvement um because To me, like, and, and this is also a parallel that Carmen and I have, um, is that we're both quite competitive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But still, that doesn't mean you can't be my friend and supporter. Exactly. And that's something I had to learn, like... Yeah, and that's, that's I think that's what a lot of people might, you know, struggle with, is that you can be competitive, but without, like, trying to, like pull someone down just yeah. to get on top of them like so uh if you like look at a swimming metaphor for example we watched the crossfit games recently mm -hmm. um and there there's this scene where they have this open water swim and afterwards the athletes are talking about oh yeah people pulling them down on the foot like to be able to swim on top mm -hmm. of them and when you use that metaphor it's like 
you can you can beat another swimmer by swimming past them and like it can make you faster having someone next to you in the water that's going really fast and that is pushing you but you don't have to drag them under to get on top i think all my female athlete friends became better athletes because they started exchanging their ideas but also sharing their problems with Mm -hmm. other female athletes it's not like that any of them got got worse or did worse because they opened up it's the complete opposite and it was like it was a game changer for me in my I think career as an athlete and as a human being to start investing in those kind of relationships with with other females because it's just different you have different struggles than men and that's not like a bad thing it's just yeah even just normal like things that like I don't know periods or you know and cycles and and all these things that you don't struggle with as a man yeah are just things that you want to talk about maybe and that influence your training or even the relationship with food I mean obviously some guys can also have a bad relationship with food but it just tends to be that women are more emotional towards food and talking about these kind of things just yeah help me improve a lot um or help me with my problems a lot. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That's also kind of the next thing that we want to talk about, I think. Disordered eating and our past mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> because that's also, um, yeah, one of the main things I think that we supported each other with. For talking sure. about um, our relationship with food. And so most of the people who follow me and know me from Instagram know that that's something I've been struggling with um, for a long time. That also maybe even comes with the sport that we're in um, is obviously like a huge problem social media, um, but something we had to both go through, right? Maybe you mm-hmm. want to kind of um, also explain your side of that thing. Um, for sure. How, what that was like for you. For sure. So I now, years later, mm-hmm. I can say that I had an eating disorder and I didn't just have one period of an eating disorder. Like I, since I was 17, so <laughs> so that's 10 years ago, um, for, I think I've been really good the past two years. I've, I've really made a lot of um, true progress. So for the past 10 years, I've had phases of really disordered eating. Um, and now I can say that back then I would have never admitted to having an de- eating disorder, um, and I think I don't want like I don't want to put any blame on anyone because I come from a household where like my mom she always cooked for us and she cooked really healthily with like and she always prepared fresh food and we always ate together so like actually I come from a place where um, objectively I would say that there was a healthy relationship with food. Um, and I don't want to blame like our society or the media, hmm. but I think there's so many factors that play, play into it. And I can't say, I can't pinpoint it and say this was it, but definitely our media did not help. I remember, I remember watching Germany's not next top model when I was like a teenager and it making me feel really bad and uncomfortable about, mm. you know, me not being 180 and 40 kilos, um, for everyone listening, I'm very short. <laughs> um, and so I went through all these phases of, of disordered eating. And only now, years later, I can actually talk about it and admit to it. Which, you know, now I'm talking openly about it. Um, and not quite publicly with this podcast or also with my platform. Um, but 
it's it's really hard to talk to and it does definitely sometimes still emotionally trigger me um but yeah so i i think it's really great that we were able to support each other back then i think for me it was even a bit opposite because i always i clearly and openly said i had not an eating disorder but i had a disordered eating behavior mm-hmm. um even when i had it but i just didn't know how to fix it yeah um i just i yeah things like talking to you for example or other people yeah. just or even on my social media like for me social media was a big factor actually helping me get through this mm-hmm. the disordered eating eating because i was able to connect to other people but for me i was like i admit it i have my eating behavior is not normal and it's not where i want it to be but i just need to go out there and fix it somehow yeah so maybe that's also interesting because there can be like two sides of the coin. Um, but yeah, we also talked about earlier a bit on on how we got out of there. Because now, like two years ago, I don't know when we met, we were both, I think, pretty much still in that rabbit hole. Yeah, I was yeah. for sure. Because I remember when we met, I still had like, I was just like, that was just past my shoulder surgery or something. And yeah. then was a time when I really struggled with eating. Yeah. It was always, for me personally, it was always like binging, restricting, binging, restricting. Um, and I, yeah, I admitted to it, but I had no clue how to get out of mm-hmm. there because I was like, the way I'm eating, like I have the knowledge around food. We both do. Mm-hmm. We were both like, okay, you lose weight when, you, you're, when you're in deficit. You gain weight when you're surplus, blah, blah, blah. We all know that stuff. We know what to eat our veggies, blah, blah, blah. But we don't know how to get out of that weird relationship with food. Mm-hmm. But now, like two years later, basically we're at a really good point. Like I can say a couple of things about what helped me get out of there, yeah. I think. Um, you too. Yeah, I don't know sure. what were some of your tools that you use that you can recommend or that you, some of the nuggets. For sure. So For sure. I think when I was younger, um, I, I, I definitely had anorexia for a while. I definitely had orthorexia for a while. And the last really intense phase of my eating disorder was right around 2016, 2017, when I transitioned from going riding um, to the gym. Because again it's such a it's such a physically focused um sport regardless of i mean if you're in, in bodybuilding way more so than in powerlifting and although in powerlifting you also have the weight classes which for me again later played a big role actually in that too for sure for sure that can also make that can also be a huge trigger no doubt um and so the last phase of disordered eating that i had i was because I was focused very much on hypertrophy training and like bodybuilding. And so I was eating, um, I was tracking all my macros, which is what, you know, most bodybuilders do. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it, it was the thing to do for me. And I got really obsessive about food. Um, so I was, you know, I was even weighing my salad and stuff like that. Um, just really obsessive about numbers and then kind of same what what you just said about binging restricting when I would let's say go to Berlin to meet my family for a weekend and I didn't have a scale to put my food on all of a sudden I would fly off the fucking handle am I allowed to curse in your podcast yeah yeah it's okay. explicit <laughs> <laughs> of um, course so so I would so I would <laughs> 
So I would fly, I would fly off the fucking handle, uh, going absolutely batshit crazy on on food because I was like, oh, I don't have a scale now, <laughs> um, and let's eat everything. If I'm not weighing it, it doesn't count. So I would, I would go crazy, and then obviously that would, you know, I would spiral into a cycle of feeling really bad about myself and like feeling like I wasn't disciplined enough or Mm. I was bad um but it was just it was for me and I bet there's people that have absolutely no problem with tracking but um for me it got really obsessive and at the same time everyone thought I was being so healthy right because like I um, you work out you look healthy you look fit and that's such a fucking lie yeah because (laughs) when maybe I looked my fittest ever which is also like how do you define that right Mm -hmm. I'm probably now my most muscular than my most I don't know like quote-unquote Instagram fit I don't know I was a mess like I was a mess and probably was uh, like happier with my body with my with myself when I was five kilos when I weighed five kilos more but then like my relationship with food was a disaster so that finding that like middle ground and then someone's like oh you are not as lean as three months ago and you're gonna get like triggered as fuck you know and you're like fuck exactly I think that's also just a slide in there I think that's something that we should collectively as like God, I don't even know how to label it, but let, let's just say as the fitness and strength training community, mm. I think that's something that we collectively have to work on to really repaint the picture of what healthy and what fit looks like and is. Because right now, it's still such a prevailing image that, oh, you're fit when you have abs or you're fit when you look like this or... And I think I think we really, really actively, proactively as a community have to rewrite that. And outside of the community as well, because yeah, now course. when I talk to my to other friends who are in bodybuilding and powerlifting, I just talked about that yesterday when in the round table is that if we gain weight because we're bulking right now, mm. we're not we didn't lose control. Mm. You know, that's not the same thing. Mm. We didn't like just eat because we want to get fat you know like just maybe Mm. we're in a different world sometimes with bodybuilding powerlifting sometimes we weigh less sometimes we weigh more Mm. and we as individuals especially as females I think we have to deal with that already ourselves and then we don't need other people telling us like oh wow you look different than like half a year ago what the fuck happened yeah absolutely right so yes we as the as the fitness working out strength community have to rewrite that script but also as a society at yeah. whole, I think one part that really plays into it as well is like we have to, we have to start really being body positive and really accepting all types of bodies and not just the ones that are mainstream accepted Fitness, and I don't know, yeah abs. exactly. So like I I really you know I really want people to stop fat shaming and you know to be discriminative to people of of you know different shapes and sizes and handicaps and everything like i we as a society just have to become way more loving accepting mm. and supportive of all types of bodies i mean really good you know i'm i'm i kind of live under a rock i'm not really up to date with a lot of news but like really good example of this is like freaking adele you know <laughs> Like, she has, I don't know, like, 100,000 Grammys and, like, all these, uh, like, successes musically. 
and she loses a couple kilos and mm. fucking the world the media goes bananas there's a very good uh, post by Lucy Mountain on this on Instagram she Lucy Mountain does a lot of posts on dieting culture you should really should check her profile out which is a very good post on this so keep that in mind maybe you can, you can put listeners. it in the links I put it in the description she is yeah, yeah she does nice posts yeah so so that's just I think I think it's um it's not healthy that we're so obsessed with people losing weight um and I don't think that it's healthy for people to to compliment everyone on losing weight yeah or gaining weight like who cares I remember I had that incident with the personal trainer oh god that was so bad that literally told me you got fat I was like excuse me what yeah (laughs) when I because the first time I met that guy was when I was just finishing my diet with like 50 kilos like uh, that it's not something I should maintain, but thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's yeah another thing like that guy trains females only. Mm-hmm. Like what a horrible influence on people. Totally. Um, and that's yeah just external um input on on your on yeah. your body is probably, for me it was one of the most triggering things at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I can probably I'm doing way better with that, mm-hmm. but, um. Yeah, that was definitely a big problem. But I remember for me specifically, like, when I think about my disordered eating habits, like, I was so desperate because I was like, I'm either dependent on tracking macros, Mm -hmm. um, and I can't let go of that, and I hate it because I am dependent on it. Now I track macros, and I don't feel like I am depending on it, Mm -hmm. so I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel like I'm losing control when I eat um, without tracking. Or I'm like not tracking but heavily under eating and Mm. then like binging again Mm. like i could not find this middle ground this yeah balance i hate the word but balance (laughs) because yeah because like how do you find balance and is balance is never the same thing on like the Mm. same day another day you know but yeah finding that balance between tracking and Mm. and just intuitive eating let's call it intuitive eating um, because I was always like, I want to eat intuitively, but when I ate intuitively, I lost five kilos, you know, that's not intuitive eating, that's restricting, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't even know what exactly got me out of there, I think, I think for me, but that was way later, getting a coach was a very, very good idea, mm-hmm. getting the right coach for sure, um, that's definitely, like, a tool I can give you, is getting a coach that understands food and nutrition and, and hunger cues and not just macros because mm-hmm. there's so much more to food than the macronutrients and you know tracking those um that was definitely something that helped me massively mm-hmm. hunger cues are generally i think something very underestimated in our sport in yeah. bodybuilding and powerlifting because all you hear is you know i'm doing a bulk i'm doing a cut i'm counting macros those are my macros those are the calories, calories i'm eating day in day out but i think still you can combine the two you can combine intuitive eating and tracking macros you can definitely you can listen to your hunger cues and i think that's a tool that's definitely missing with a lot of people in our in our sport definitely so i i want to tie in there i do think it can be so 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 valuable having a coach that helps you with your nutrition but at the same time if you have a coach and i'm i'm i don't want to you know i don't want to upset anyone but like if you have a coach that them themselves might be professional bodybuilders mm. then there's a very high chance that they also sorry that they also have a messed up relationship with food yeah so like if you Definitely. if you have a messy relationship with food and you're being coached by someone who has a messy relationship with food that might not be the right idea um, I think that's a good, very good point, actually, because I know so many coaches 
who struggle with exactly the same things. Exactly. And if you're not in agreement with yourself and your yeah. behaviors, I think it makes it much more difficult to coach it. Definitely, definitely. I mean, how are you going to teach someone to be, you know, loving and accepting of their body at every stage mm. of the journey when you not you're not yourself? And I think um, here it might be important to like make a little plug about um, psychotherapy. Mm. Um, I think mental health is so so important and. There are um, psychotherapists that are specialized in eating disorders. And um, even if you think you don't have like a full blown eating disorder, considering that is probably a good idea because looking back, that would not have been a bad idea for me. And I wasn't like, I didn't have to go to a hospital because I was so underweight. No. But because that's kind of what we think, we're like, if we need help, we are actually like close to your hospital. It's bullshit. It's just like, you know. Yeah. So I, I back, like I should have I should have gone to a psychotherapist about my my disordered eating way earlier, and now I would say I'm like two years into like full recovery. Um, for me, that means the phases that I'm unhappy with my body are getting um, less and less, and the time that they last is getting shorter. So those are like I'm constantly making progress and. Um, still now actually i had a i had had a little setback with the corona situation mm-hmm. and for me now even though i feel like i'm 2 years into recovery like i'm going to go um see a psychotherapist about mm-hmm. it um and i think that can be a really really valuable tool and like just like you just said it doesn't mean that you have um an eating disorder you can really just get some external help on resetting your perspective and getting some tools objective feedback as well yeah that's something a coach can do or maybe you know i mean a coach and psychotherapist are not exactly the same thing but in a way you know they can give you an objective point of view on it and um yeah so if you have a coach you know if you have a coach and you are a bit concerned about your relationship with food make sure please make sure that it's a coach that understands eating disorders that understands um that understands the the value and the importance of your relationship with food and that isn't willing to push you past the points past the point of breaking when it comes to food and relationship just to reach your goals Yeah. yeah so like just i think coaches Big step, big step for both you and yeah. I too, because we're kind of. I think this is also a parallel. We're also kind of control freaks, so it was really hard for me to let go of control and let someone else program my training. Yeah, and I know that you know it wasn't the easiest for you either, and I think we've both benefited greatly from having coaches. Yeah, and there's such a like just on a coaching th- coaching thing. Maybe last thing is there's such a wide range of coaches, and I've had. A couple now, I think two, two, three, um, who coach very different, both for training and nutrition. Like there's, there's so many different coaches who can teach you so many different things, and take your time to find the right one because, um, especially I think because we're now talking about food and relationship with food. If you notice the coach you're having right now, it's just not coaching you in the way you need it for to to help improve your relationship with food. Then you know that maybe is not the right um choice then. Because there's more than like just the all or nothing approach, and mm-hmm. I personally think your coach has to know more about food than macros, mm-hmm. um, especially if you come to them and tell them that you have 
problems with your relationship with food because it's not always like then as a coach I, I also would take on clients who struggle with their relationship with food if it's not like clinically concerning yeah um but then yeah I think a, a good point that you made was, is that um they should have a better relationship with you with food than then you have it yeah. because otherwise how are they gonna coach you maybe we also want to talk about uh one last thing about the food topic maybe mm-hmm. on <clears throat> how we both transitioned from tracking macros to learning yes. how to listen to our hunger cues because even though i'm tracking maybe at the moment mm-hmm. i also learned learn through my coach that those two things can go hand in hand and should go hand in hand and there's more than the all or nothing like mm-hmm. counting and or not counting macros uh, maybe what was were some of the things mm-hmm. that you would say helped you a lot For sure. You asked me that question earlier and we completely, <laughs> completely digressed. But I think that it's, it's cool because, you know, this is how we talk. This is, you know, mm. we 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 drift off and talk about something else and that's fine. Um, So to come back to how I actually got out of it, out of so I was obsessively tracking and then, you know, binging and tracking and restrictive. And I was very, very tiny. If I look at pictures now, I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, I was small but, face. I, <laughs> but I didn't see it right mm-hmm. I didn't see it and that's the that's the crazy part and then I um and I I know a coach could have done the same I know um a psychotherapist could have done the same um I know that some of my friends could have done the same but I was still surrounded by so many people that were doing the same thing that I mm. wasn't able to get out of it and so I'm really really grateful um for my partner at the time He was so supportive and he was, even though some people after I stopped and after I got healthier, afterwards a lot of people told me, oh yeah, I also thought you were like obsessive, but no one told me to my face. Same. No one told me to my face. So like (laughs) he, he was, he was the only one to straight up for the first time in my life tell me, Kiara, you have an eating disorder. And I was like, no. I do not. Look at me. I'm so fit. I eat so healthy. I train so much. I don't have an eating disorder. And he was like, no, you actually really do. You just weighed your salad. Like, no. And, um, and he, he... And probably felt bad about eating it, you know, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> it's not just, that's the thing, it's not just weighing the salad. You yeah. can weigh your salad. The yeah. question is how you, how do you feel, feel about, about eating the salad and then... <laughs> yeah, and, and he was like, okay, so you need to stop tracking. This is not healthy. Because he would also be the one that had to collect the fucking rubble when I <laughs> crumbled because I flew off the handle and like went binging for two days, right? So he had to put, put me back together. Um, and so he was really helpful. And then I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start stopping. I'm gonna stop tracking macros. Um, and he was like, he, you know, I'm here for you. I support you. I love you. Um, and he was also like, you know, you're probably gonna gain some weight and that's fine, you know? And so I, after that, after I stopped counting macros, I, and tracking macros, I would, I continued for probably a couple of months, I don't know how long, to weigh myself daily, so that was like, that was like my, my second obsession, um, was, you know, tracking my weight so obsessively daily, and, um, then, you know, after a while again, I would, I noticed that, you know, that was just another tool of, like, control and restriction, and then, Um, I was able to stop that and 
when I stopped tracking macros and when I stopped weighing myself, both times I kind of went up in my weight. And then I kind of settled into, like, I think what is, like, my natural weight. Exactly. the na- Yeah, where your body wants to settle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that's something that is, like, underestimated by a lot mm-hmm. of people, too. Is I think we... Especially in our sport. Especially in our sport, yeah. Um, I think a lot of us have, like, what our, what our body thinks is, like, a happy weight, you know? Mm, I agree. And so that weight for some people is lower, higher. That body fat percentage is lower, higher. higher. Yeah, yeah. Completely depends on your genetics and, you know, how... I mean, there's so many factors that play into it. Probably also what your mom ate while she yeah. was pregnant. Yeah. What you ate as a child. Like, I yeah. have no clue. There's... There must be so much going into it, but so my my body just kind of settled into like a happy weight um both times and and those those were things that helped me um become healthier again is stopping to track and stopping to weigh myself and I remember quite clearly once you posted something um about tracking macros and I don't remember exactly what it was but it definitely like triggered the fuck out of me um because this was like post post mm-hmm, me like mm-hmm. kind of like one year yeah. into recovery getting out of it yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like <laughs> you cannot say that like that like that might be so triggering to someone i.e. me um huh? and and I remember I, I I you know because we have this very straightforward relationship with each other I texted you about it and I was like I don't think you can say that like that um or I don't think you should say that like that and so like um a lot of people come to me for advice um based on me you know being being an athlete for mm. a while like I was even before I as a teenager I did um I did track and field and I was a runner so mm-hmm. and competitive as well so like for my whole life I've been like in competitive sports um I think so if people come to me for advice on nutrition because you know I'm I I I did 2 years of nutritional sciences before I started studying medicine and now that I've gone through all these things and I have like a better understanding of where people are when people come to me about you know weight or food mm-hmm. um and want advice like I and again like I'm not I'm not a dietitian and I'm not a um psychotherapist and I'm not trained in nutritional psychotherapy mm-hmm. but I can only speak from my own experience and what I've you know noticed and seen in my in my friends and Mm. so like if people come to me wanting to lose weight or whatever Mm. um, I always ask them like you know what their relationship with food is and if they already have a damaged relationship with food and a damaged body image then I wouldn't recommend those type of people to start tracking yeah necessarily um I would I also think the ultimate goal is actually to be able to not track. Um doesn't mean that you shouldn't like it I think I think everyone who tracks should be able to also not track. Mm-hmm. So I think if someone is able if someone is able to reach their goal without tracking and many general population clients can be mm-hmm. then they yeah. I wouldn't introduce them to it or even my friends if they ask yeah. me for advice and not like you know go on and track. Um, but I also think on the other hand, because I, with all my clients, um, I make them track mm-hmm. usually, I think I've 
I've barely ever had clients who never tracked anything mm-hmm. because it can at least improve their knowledge on food. Oh, for sure. But what I've also noticed, and I think that's, again, this coaching aspect where coaches have to know more about food than the macros, mm-hmm. is that I also try to teach them what it means to intuitively eat at mm-hmm. the same time mm-hmm. and what hunger cues mean and how they can learn how to listen to them better um, while still reaching their goals within their macro like ranges I guess mm-hmm. um, because I've have a very specific example of a client who came to me and wanted to lose weight and she also uh, wanted to I guess improve her relationship with food but also know more about food she like she was always like yeah I'm, like eating too much chocolate blah blah blah, blah classic example um, and now she's at a point where suddenly she, suddenly she was like I didn't track for two or three weeks but my weight didn't change, right? Mm. Like, she's like, I, f- I eat the same things, or even if I try mm. something else, I kind of know what, when I'm hungry, so mm. I eat, and so for some time, we just only track the protein, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we have a very specific goal again, like a diet for, I don't know, six, eight weeks, then we might want to track more religiously again. But I think, uh, yeah, again, that's the, the, the aspect of a coach where I'm like, um, tracking can help tremendously with the the also the relationship with food if it doesn't get too obsessive and learning about food um but then it should always go hand in hand with learning mm-hmm. um about yeah more about the relationship with food and about hunger cues and internal signals and are you thirsty are you hungry do you have cravings mm-hmm. because of your hormones do you have cravings because of like mm, a triggering situation or you know like mm-hmm. our food our behavior um how we eat is influenced by so many things like I always notice so how my parents for example like I'm, I'm home right now because of corona in Vienna with living with my parents I notice so many things on how my parents eating behaviors have shaped me and and given me like the like the good and the bad mm. really um so learning about all these things and kind of reflecting on that I think is a really important thing that helped me also with with listening better to my hunger cues and before like completely escalating on food mm-hmm. being like asking myself why do I want to you know go bananas now why do I have this habit why how can I change it um being a bit more patient with myself and and um listening more to myself than society kind of thinking okay maybe it would be time to eat now but it I'm not hungry so I'm not gonna eat or mm-hmm. it's not time for lunch yet but I'm hungry so I'm gonna eat mm-hmm. these kind of things help me a lot so I think some of the main takeaways in terms of like hunger cues and internal signals for me were like Mm, those kind of things that were given to me by my parents for example or other people I have um, I'm surrounded by um, but also um, kind of the societal things Um, and yeah social media also because then people you see people bulking or cutting all the time and doing all these cycles and you're like maybe right now with my weight I want to maintain and that's okay Mm -hmm. and then also yeah getting a coach who has an objective eye on you all the time um, that could also be a psychotherapist or yeah. a boyfriend or you know a partner or a good friend, a, a good friend a who good sees friend. you regularly or something exactly. um, who then has this objective eye on you and yeah. is like dude look you mm-hmm. are not gaining weight you're not losing weight for example or you have put on good muscle mass or something you know um, these kind of things and for me also um, that's again maybe a different experience than you had because you were like I had to or I, you wanted to stop weighing yourself I never stopped weighing myself um, throughout this phase of learning how to intuitively eat. And for me, that was actually a good feedback because I learned that if I intuitively eat or maybe only track my protein, that doesn't mean I'm losing control 
mm-hmm. um, I still I still maintain my weight. Do you and weigh so- yourself daily? I still do, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that's like the only thing we track as well. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes my coach has to remind me because like I think two or three weeks ago I had like a freak out and I was like, I'm, I'm gaining weight, I'm getting fat, oh my god, I feel horrible. And she was like, Carmen, look, these are the numbers from the past six months you have not gained weight, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you are just maybe feeling a bit more fluffy because you're supposed to be in your period or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and then just having someone else to analyze that, and that can also be a good friend or whoever, yeah. Yeah. Um, is super important. And then I think that's another thing, again, with being female and having friends around you who support you and who you can talk to about this, yeah. who are in the sport, yeah. not just, you know, the, the other friends who maybe don't get you, quote-unquote, yeah. Um, but talking to these people and sharing, being super honest and open about how you feel, um, maybe sharing it on social media, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter, um, but you'll be surprised on the feedback you get mm-hmm. and how much support and how much strength that is going to give you because opening up is definitely always going to pay off in that term and you need that at least one person to open up mm-hmm. about. Definitely, definitely. I, um, I'm gonna try to remember all the things that I, I just wanted to say. Um, so one of the one of the first things was about the hunger cues and the tracking. So for me, the tracking it got to a point where I wasn't hungry, but I say let's say I had still like a hundred calories open, yeah. and then I would go Same. I would go to the kitchen and I would find hundred calories get, in the kitchen. Exactly. Let's. <laughs> Easter egg hunt. I was like, oh wait, and then you know, so obsessed. Five grams of carbs and seven grams of fat. Let's yeah, go find it. Exactly. Like, how many dates can I eat? Five? No. Okay, one Four more. And a half? Uh, okay. Okay. Now I know I have a hundred calories of dates. I'm gonna eat this now. So like exactly. <laughs> so so you know, to for me, it got to the point where like I wasn't I wasn't eating because I was hungry. I was eating because I still had calories open, and I think. That's where, like, if I had had a coach back at that time that was aware of, you know, eating disorders and stuff, um, then that could have been really helpful to just teach me proper hunger cues while tracking. Um, but I had to completely relearn that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, no joke, I came off of tracking and I was like, what is it's hunger? Hard. It takes so much patience. What like a is daily. Food? Yeah. yeah, exactly. What What am I feeling right now? Mm. And I think... Learning... Am I restricting myself right now or am I just not hungry? You yeah. Know? I had no trust in myself. Yeah, exactly. That's a big thing. Trusting yourself. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. So hard to learn. Trusting yourself. And like, I think also one thing to for the for the average person because that's something that we talked about earlier as well for the average person I think you don't necessarily have to start tracking mm-hmm. to um to gain or lose weight I always kind of want to mention both because again I think yeah. we should rewrite the script and not always just talk about fucking losing weight so whether we want to gain weight or lose weight um I think there's there's like a proper two three handfuls of tricks that you can use where you don't have to start tracking and I think it starts with basic education on food and nutrition. Mm. And it goes into, you know, for for example, if I if I cook for my partner and I, he always he he weighs double the amount that I do. And so he has to eat double the amount that I do. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I know a lot about portion size. And so sometimes when let's say I make a porridge for both of us, I make, you know, a bigger bowl for him, and then I know that that's probably not gonna 
hit the calories that he needs, especially when we're training. And so I just add a fucking tablespoon of peanut butter, you know, and I'm yeah. like, okay, he's probably good on the calories now. So, um, like if you want to gain some weight, add some nuts, some avocado, you know, some good fats, all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. Um, if you want to, if you want to lose some weight, eat more veggies, you know, it's, it really, you can make it quite simple. Um, if, if you have the right mentality and if you have the right toolbox, And, um, I think it doesn't have to be about restricting or like getting obsessive. I think there's very healthy ways how you can learn to influence your body in a positive way because it is positive when you feel like you want to gain weight and, you know, you do something, you take action and you gain more weight. I think that's, you know, that's positive reinforcement. You're Mm -hmm. getting, you're getting what you want and you put in, put in what you want to get out. And... After I stopped tracking, um, I had to relearn listening to my hunger cues. I think a lot of people misinterpret their thirst as hunger. Yeah. And same. I think most of us don't drink enough. Like, yeah. Such a big thing. I, yeah. Yes. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> and, and seriously, water is life. Like, yes. no joke. It <laughs> Literally. is. Literally. <laughs> so fucking drink, guys. Fucking drink. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, replace your meals with water. No. That's not what we're saying. No. We're just saying that there's you know that's part of hunger mm-hmm. cues and the whole yeah to- like talk on this yeah definitely <laughs> disclaimer <Don't>, yeah disclaimer <laughs> don't replace your your food with water but definitely make sure that you're hydrated and that you're that you always have enough liquid in your system and it it will make you you know it will give you so many benefits it will make your skin better it will let you sleep better it will make your performance better you know like it will make your concentration better like liquid like proper water yeah. household is so so important yeah and um i i, I think it's also something like as a coach another thing like is that that's also something you might want to track or ask your clients mm-hmm. about you know it's not that plays into the whole food thing it's yeah. you know so for i i work at a doctor's praxis right and so like i talk to a lot of patients and i ask them well do you drink enough and everyone's like yeah 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 and then i'm like <laughs> how well, much you drink? yeah well how much do you drink uh Mm, two glasses of water a day i'm like well no well that's not enough um and so for example i don't know there's different tricks that help different people for one of my favorite tricks to drink enough is this sounds so stupid but like get a bottle that you really like yeah it's so true i swear to god for me it's a sippy cup like not a sippy cup but like one of those bottles that has a straw that you like mm, suck yes, from they're the best yeah they're the best because you keep <laughs> yeah <laughs> Don't post that anywhere without context. (laughs) Yeah, you keep sucking all the time. So those, I swear to God, that I got one of those bottles, and it helped me. It helped me drink so much more water throughout the day because I actually, I enjoyed the bottle. I think it looked nice. I think it felt nice, and it was just easy to drink from, and that helped me stay hydrated. So first tip, get a bottle that you like. Second tip, if you just like don't like don't manage to throughout the day drink enough maybe get like one of those one one and a half two liter bottles and then what I I did this for a friend actually and this was like way before I really got into training and nutrition um I got her a one and a half liter bottle and I measured out like stripes for one side Mm -hmm. um um in the in the morning and one side afternoon and 
so she had to refill it and then she she could uh, put the like a, a little a line time, and yeah. the time next yeah, to yeah, it and then she she knew that okay like that's it's nice. it's 10 now i have to drink my another couple of yeah. yeah sips and um and that way you know i portioned it in like small portions and she was it, it's just and so much of it is habit like don't forget that like food drink movement it's so much mm. like we are we are creatures of habit mm. and if you you can train yourself to crave water more yeah. like <laughs> like I'm, I'm like oh, I'm drinking all yeah like I'm addicted to water now like <laughs> um, because it just feels so great to be hydrated um and yeah, anyway, so there's, I think, like, we can talk about this for ages, um, but I do want to kind of tie into another thought that I had about what helped me that wasn't necessarily, like, an internal um, factor, mm-hmm. um, but what helped me uh, externally, and even though, yes, powerlifting is still very focused on, on physique and everything, powerlifting and entering this community of powerlifting and um, performance-based training really yes thank you exactly that's that's what I was looking for performance-based training really really helped me so when when um this was actually in the in the gym that Carmen and I met there was a powerlifter there and we were you know this is the the friend that we kind (laughs) of had that introduced us to each other shout out to (laughs) mommy shout out and you know he was like oh you're you know you're you're kind of strong and like you really lift nice like you should try powerlifting (laughs) (laughs) and I was like oh okay yeah I I might give it a shot and um so when I when I started training I mean, I I always wanted to get stronger, but like, definitely my physique was more of a more of my attention had more of my attention on it. So when I transitioned to being more focused on becoming stronger and less focused on what I looked like, mm-hmm. it really, really fucking hell. I can't stress it enough. It really helped me. And then also seeing all these other female athletes, um, being like and again social media kind of did help me here in some regards because I was seeing girls posting pictures of their huge ass quads or their huge ass arms and being like yeah I want bigger legs and I was like oh my god yes like no I don't like and they were helping me rewrite the script in my head that I had to be small like mm-hmm. you know because all these yeah. eating disorders they always I always wanted to be less it's i always still wanted to be awesome smaller social media yeah. like people are like oh my god i want a tiny waist and a big butt and you know all this mm. all this talk and it's not the ultimate goal you know mm-hmm. and i think like you said for me focusing on performance was probably like the biggest game changer and um so me entering powerlifting i think we probably started around the same time i think i don't know um just it made me realize like food helps me perform better Mm -hmm. and that also doesn't mean i need to eat like crazy amounts of food so i would gain you know a lot of weight it just means that food helps me perform food is fuel food is fuel and 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 so i need to eat properly Mm -hmm. 
consistently not just you know on one day before my training I eat a lot and the rest of the day I don't eat enough or these ups and downs these highs and lows but just consistently eat like a normal person otherwise my performance is gonna go to shit I'm not we just talked about this today about like mm. how much of an influence calories and food has on your bench press for example yeah, yeah. like it is gonna have big influence on your performance so um it just automatically helped me a lot with my with my relationship with food and my eating habits Definitely. So that that really helped me. And then at the same time, you know, um, right when I thought that I was that I was healthy and like making all this crazy progress, like, oh, yeah, you know, my 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 body is strong and mm. da da da. Sorry. <laughs> um, then, you know, you learn that lesson and your life is just like, okay, you learned that. I'm going to give you the next lesson. <laughs> Here it goes. What happened? I got fucking injured. Mm. And then that, you know, I just kind of, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I do want to kind of create that awareness that, yes, it's really cool when you stop being focused on your physique and like start being more focused on your performance. But then if, let's say, an injury or anything, any life circumstance takes your ability to perform away, that was probably one of the hardest moments in my life, like after recovery, because... So true. Same. You had the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah, again, here. It fucks with you so much. Yes. Like, your head is just like, <laughs> I'm... I'm supposed to perform. Yeah. What am I now? Yeah, you exactly. You As take... an athlete, you're just like, ah. Yeah. So I think that second that second lesson really was about like you are not what you do, you are athlete, not yeah. what you achieve and like you are not the things that you identify as. Mm. Like you are so much more and like just because you identify um, or just because you are working out so much, just because you train so much, just because you are so disciplined. Or have so much muscle or strength or yeah. PRs or it's not all you are. Yeah, that's not all you are. And like, so I think I kind of, it, it definitely taught me to be less, um, to identify myself less with the things I was achieving um, and it's still, still, still a lesson that I have to learn still mm. not to use the word balance, but it's still finding that middle ground between, um, doing the things I love, um, and doing them well and being, being really disciplined about it and happy with it, uh, and getting a lot of joy out of it. And at the same time, not putting all my identification on those things because I know that something can take them away from me in a heartbeat yeah and I don't want to crumble and rebuild my personality every time yeah and even if you're a very serious athlete I think that's an important lesson because I mean we're both competing but maybe we're not you know like professional athletes Mm -hmm. but even if you are or if you're competing at very high levels I think um especially if you've had an injury before you know that but um yeah just don't identify yourself with only that Mm -hmm. I remember when I had my shoulder surgery before that I couldn't really properly train for like a long time like six months plus and I would lose all my muscle and I was like, who am I now? Or mm. when I got, you know, my disc injury, I was like, yeah. couldn't train, couldn't perform, couldn't only, you know, then I could only do like bodybuilding type of training. I was like, but I'm supposed to be strong, you know, and, yeah, and, exactly. and it's just not only that. Um, so, yeah, the initial question we had was like, how can we improve our physiques while staying body positive? And mm-hmm. all of that was, I think, for us both focusing more on performance, yeah. getting into powerlifting. Yeah. 
Um, one thing I wanna, I do want to mention in that regard, because it did um, over the last year, I think, um, made a lot of more friends in the bodybuilding and powerlifting sphere is that it can also go in the wrong direction where you can start getting super obsessed about your performance as a powerlifter specifically. And then again, it can backfire with the weight classes and fitting into those. And then I've also had enough friends who had problems with that. Um, So yeah, I mean, this is just me saying there can be downsides and upsets to everything. But just to keep in mind, um, there's because there might be like a powerlifter out there listening and being like, yeah, I'm I'm focusing performance, but this is still like an issue, you know? Um, And the other thing is that... um, I also learned, I think, through my disc injury and not being able to strength train in the way that I wanted to is that, and and then focusing more on bodybuilding, is that bodybuilding can also be performance-based. And I was always like, well, but bodybuilding is about how you look, you know? Mm -hmm. But if I think about it, bodybuilding is also about progressive overload. And that's something I learned a lot from powerlifting myself. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, progressive overloading and, and getting stronger. And that's how you build your physique. And if you are as a bodybuilder in a phase where you're struggling a lot with your physique and how you look, um, because especially as a bodybuilder, you have these extreme phases of dieting and, and bulking, then really focus on performance and um, maybe do a, uh, include a couple of main main um, main lifts in your program where you can consistently look at how you get stronger and be like okay um, I might feel fat this week and since a month or something and maybe I've gained weight but I've also gotten stronger and I can see that in my training log you know and um, that yeah bodybuilding is pretty much also about um, gaining the strength and um, not just about how you look and if you make it about performance then I think your your relationship with food will improve as well or can improve as well and you allow that and your relationship with your body and then the sport can also be body positive mm-hmm. um, it's just I think in that regard it's a lot about what is being um, promoted on social media as well like where you see people being like high reps low weight because this is gonna tone me down you know i hate the word tone that's <laughs> a tone do i have toned arms <laughs> no you know so um i think yeah that's um that's just the point i wanted to make in that regard mm. so um another another parallel by the way between carmen and i we both have uh herniated disc between L4 and L5 yay L4 and L5 so um, and and by the way like I think both of my so I I had that herniation that was the first serious injury that I had and then second um, I I really badly badly injured my left hamstring while warming up by the way um, and I think both of those injuries really taught me a lot with with coming back to staying body positive um, while improving um, our performance and our looks. Um, I, I really think that what helped me is becoming more loving of other people and myself, like really practicing self-love and affirmation so what I did for a really long time is I journaled and I journaled every day in the morning and I started with affirmations 
and on really good days I was you know I was happy and I was able to write like you're beautiful you're strong uh, and then there was really bad days and and the the you know the only things that I could come up with are were um, your kind or whatever mm-hmm. some, something that was completely like not based on on my um, physique and um, and then practicing that and I think you know other some people I did I never thought that I would be the person to journal but like mm-hmm. journaling really really helped me um, and other people might find their their help through meditation or mantras but really practicing self-love and appreciation, like really, you know, looking at yourself with kind eyes and kind and saying kind things to yourself. Because when I was, you know, when I was at my worst, I would stand in front of the mirror and I would talk shit to myself. Like I would fucking tear myself apart. I was like, you're fat, you're ugly, you're this, you're that. I remember when like there was a really low point in my training and I was like, on the fucking cardio machine, like, sweating my ass off, like, being like, go faster, go longer, you fat bitch, mm. you know, like, that's, that's not how it should be, and, like, it's so, shocking how we can talk to ourselves, yes, how other people would never even dare to, and, yeah, yeah, I, I think can, for me, at lower points, I was also like, you know, Carmen, you can't just talk to yourself like that, and yeah. I stopped doing it, and I try to still not do that because yeah. I'm like, you wouldn't talk like that. And I have to get out. At some point, I'm like, yeah. Carmen, just stop being alone with your thoughts yeah. about yourself. Yeah. Just get out and talk to other people. Exactly. And that also helped me, I think, yeah. with that. And so, like, standing in front of the mirror and, like, really appreciating yourself. Like, being appreciative of what your body does for you. And if, it, if, if, if you have an injury and you can't appreciate it because it's performing well then appreciate it for the brain that you have are the things you do you know exactly for the intellectual and cognitive things that your body does for you you know just be appreciative say nice stuff to yourself or that it can recover from that injury i think that's also amazing yeah it's amazing and i was like okay i'm so sorry body that i hurt you let's let's do together you know and then it can recover and now i'm like oh thank you so much for recovering (laughs) you know it's um just being kind to your body because you know you injured the problem we don't yeah. hate it or yeah exactly and like we you know we have this amazing fucking machine that we can call our home and you know you study physiotherapy i study medicine mm-hmm. like we are both you know really body obsessed yeah, <laughs> really obsessed with really obsessed with the body and, and how it works and, and, yeah. and movement yeah, and yeah. like <laughs> and i swear like it, it baffles me what crazy machines we are like the stuff that we can go through, the injuries that we can have, that we can recover mm. on. I mean, literally, our tissue rebuilds itself. Yeah. Like, not all tissue, but, like, you know, like, that's yeah. crazy. That's fucking insane. Like, we have so much to be happy and appreciative for. And I think another um, really, uh, thing that really helped me that was trying that was this was also after the injury so I wasn't able to be appreciative because of my performance um so I had to be appreciative of something else and what what really helped me was making a conscious decision that I was going to do the things that make me happy and saying to myself okay I will do the things that make me happy and the body that results from it is going to be the body that I want and love. And that's happy body. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also for me, maybe also a practical takeaway is that in that time where you're injured um, and you're rehabbing, 
um, instead of focusing on performance and all the other stuff you do at the gym and how you try to train around your injury, which I think is a good thing, but focus on the rehab. Be like, right now, my goal is not to get as strong and as muscly as possible, but to recover as best mm-hmm. as possible. And then other things count into that, like sleep and food and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, stress. Stress is a big thing when it comes to recovery. Yeah. Um, and just being more... Um, yeah, then just focusing on the rehab and not seeing that as a bad thing because an injury happens in everyone, in everyone's um, training career, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, as something just popped up in my head real quick just because we, you know, we talked about girls and, like, mm-hmm. you know, supportive female athletes. But I do also, like, to the guys, I think, obviously also through social media, but I think there's a certain, certain um, stigma and, like, certain like pressure for guys mm-hmm. to be like big yeah, or like yeah. muscly and stuff and yeah, so right yeah mm-hmm. and so my for for example my my partner he plays soccer and he's really athletic and he's really tall and you know for most tall people it's harder to gain size um short people tend to have it a bit easier like um, us <laughs> just kidding <laughs> And so he's really, you know, he's the tall and lanky type. And he was like, I want to be really big. But, you know, if you go, if you play soccer three, four times a week, like... It's, and that's fun for you. And that's fun. Please, go exactly. ahead. Exactly. And I was like, and, and this is, and this is after, this is, was after my injury. And I told him exactly the same words that I said earlier, which are, do the things that make you happy and love the body that results from yeah. it. And um, I think that's really important for not just for female athletes, but also for male athletes, yeah. because I think no one should, like, give in to that pressure. Yeah. And, like, really stay on top of being happiness-focused. Yeah. Instead of, like, physically-focused. And you can be both. You can yes. be an athlete. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can be an athlete, and you can have performance goals, and you can have physique goals, but you can also love your body. And, and how, happy. yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to wrap up soon, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so one one really quick... One really quick uh, little last part. Um, besides the loving yourself unconditionally part. And, like, that's also... I don't think I, I articulated it that way earlier. But, like, love yourself unconditionally. Love yourself right where you are at every point in your journey. No matter it is whether you're trying to build size or or like reduce body fat or get stronger like love yourself right where you are and love yourself every day because there's going to be bad days and there's going to be good days and don't be upset about mm, having the bad days or having a bad relationship with yourself for a period of time don't feel bad about it just be patient with yourself Mm -hmm. because even I who I would say I have a balance with food now I have a balance Mm -hmm. with training now and or I'm working on it, um, I have bad phases, but then I'm like, just because I have this balance, it doesn't mean it's applicable every single day, and there are going to be bad days, but I'm not going to feel bad about them, I'm not going to be beat myself up about exactly. them. Exactly, not beating, yeah. not, not because beating yourself up, because it's just a bad day, and, and not dwelling yeah, on it. Yeah, exactly, because tomorrow I might, I might wake up and feel awesome again, and yeah. just trusting in that, um, I think helps a lot. Yeah. Maybe as a last thing, is there um, just a message you have for other girls females athletes who are struggling with anything that we have struggled with um that you want to tell them besides the loving yourself um, message or just like this is something that 
you heard from someone or that you learned that kind of changed changed the game for you maybe again I think this is going to be one of those things that I'm going to write down and think about more um Mm -hmm. because I think it's really hard for me to pinpoint one thing um I think if I have a takeaway um it is don't compare yourself (laughs) to other people if you find yourself comparing yourself and feeling bad about yourself exactly like I think you made a post about this like delete people that don't make you feel good yeah. from social media yeah. like don't give your like don't, you don't expose have yourself responsibility yeah. to follow exactly like you don't have a responsibility to follow and don't expose yourself to shit that doesn't make mm. you feel good and and that's not the same as being ignorant to no. other things that no. are out there no, it's no. just you know negative energy to just shut it out yeah exactly and um another thing would be surround yourself mm. with people with like-minded people that help you be the version of yourself that you want to be yeah so if you notice yourself you know being surrounded by negative and toxic people that you know are also like having eating disorders and all this stuff who trigger you even yeah and even if that means eliminating some relationships for some time yeah then that's okay yeah so Surround yourself with with people that support you and that make you feel good and that help you push beyond your limits, that you can talk to, that you can open up to, that you can be real to. Because like being authentic and real and open, I think, is so underestimated and so valuable. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think those are two really good ones. And then obviously all the stuff that we talked about Mm -hmm. already. I think for me, it's, um, I kind of made a little note on this, is that um, it's okay to go through extremes. Oh, yes. It's okay to, it's not great, obviously, we both know it, Mm. but it's okay if you go through years or phases or, I don't know, very short phases of disordered eating Mm -hmm. or obsessive training or, yeah, obsessive tracking or, I don't know, like, losing crazy amounts of weight, gaining crazy amounts of weight, it's all not good but it's okay and I know more especially women that go through this Mm -hmm. than I know women who didn't go through this Mm -hmm. um and athletes um it's it's normal unfortunately (laughs) in a way um don't feel bad about it but that's again that's kind of connecting to what Kiara said on find people who have gone through this who are also going through this but who are not encouraging it but who want to get out of it it's okay to go through these extremes and I personally believe that if you are patient with yourself, if you give yourself time, but when I say time, I don't mean a month or two, I mean years, literally years, and you keep on believing that you will get out of this and that you will feel fine, that you will find balance, I believe that you will. Um, and that balance can change any time, that balance can become something different. Um, my balance two years ago or three years ago was maybe something different than now and maybe in three years I'll say that I was also too obsessed about training now but right now I'm feeling good about it right so um that can always change it's a, and your relationship with food can also constantly change but I I really believe that you can at any time time uh, point of time have that balance and that you can also have the body you want with it and the performance that you're aiming for with it um i think everyone can have a good body image that is sometimes better or sometimes worse but like i said that that are really normal things and it's a constant work in progress that will take daily 
commitment maybe and I think especially for us females that's such a big it plays such a big role in our daily life um but that's okay and um yeah never underestimate the role of other people for both the positive and the negative in this because um some people will always trigger you um eliminate those relationships don't invest in them because they're not gonna make you feel better um and but on the other hand there are people who can who can really positively contribute to that for sure and one last thing i think these are the words that you used earlier because carmen and i had a really good training session before we started recording this podcast and we also talked a lot there already and just because you have a certain issue doesn't mean that you're broken yeah <laughs> and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with yeah. you and I think that's something that's really important to keep in mind that you're not damaged goods, you're wonderful and you're amazing and it is always a wise choice to get external help, whether that is from your family, from supportive friends, from professional you know, therapists, mm -hmm. coaches, etc. I think don't be afraid of asking for help, demanding help, getting help and never forget that you're not yeah broken yeah we talked about this last week or i talked about this last week with thomas as well on the podcast where we were both like um some people think they have an injury and they're broken like mm. like the disc hernia or whatever they're like oh my god i have this for the rest of my life now and it's the same thing with like relationship with food or obsessiveness about training or all these things yeah. you're not broken you can fix yourself for sure right for sure. or someone else can help you fix it so thank you Chiara I think that's it thank you so much for being on the podcast I had so much fun I love talking I could talk for another hour probably I think there's like at least 10 more topics, topics that, that we want to discuss so you're gonna see Chiara at least 10 more times here 10 more times for sure um yeah thank you for all the listeners I'm gonna post your Instagram and stuff in the description but where can they find you Usually, where if they want to contact you, maybe they have some more questions of, yes, um, for you, for then sure. where can they message you? For sure. So, the only form of social media I have at the moment is Instagram, and it's Chiara, C-H-I-A-R-A, dot Alnut, A-L-L-N-U-T-T. Posted in the description yeah, as well. Exactly. And so, if you have questions, message me if you want to interact message me and if you have questions that you want me and carmen to discuss next time message her right. or me yeah exactly yeah. good well thank you very much and see you next time bye, bye.